All right, we are continuing our sermon series called All Things Are Possible. And uh, how many feel challenged from what Pastor Joy shared last week? I hope I got a little bit softer, yes. I, was, I know, like, I was, it was kind of funny because I, uh, I, was, I was being a little bit obnoxious last week. I was, like, butting in and, and giving my little two cents. And then she started saying stuff that actually was applying to me. I was like, ooh, I got to shut up. <laughs> I got to listen. Ooh, ooh I, was getting, I was getting jabbed. She was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. I just told her myself. Yeah, you know, there's a reason why. <laughs> it makes Sunday so much easier. All right, so we are continuing our sermon series called All Things Are Possible, and we're actually going to read Philippians chapter 1. We're going to allow the Word of God to preach itself today. How does that sound? Sound good? So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. I'll be uh, reading out of the NIV. It will also be up on the screens. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for how good and amazing you are. You're so faithful. You're fa you've been faithful to us, God. We've, we're just singing of your faithfulness. God, we're seeing your faithfulness. God, we're seeing how good... You've been, Lord, and we are just continually amazed by you. God, we thank you as next week we just have, uh, God, quite a task uh, as we're going to be having another outside service with many guests. And Lord, we just want to honor you with all of our stewardship of people's lives. And we just thank you for lives being changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1. All right, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy... Servant of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I just highlighted that because I just love that. If you look in uh, the, uh, the epistles, Paul, when he's greeting uh, the people, he always uses, uses these words. He, grace and peace to you. I love that. I love that. So that's just highlighted because that's for us as well. We do need it. Verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. That's awesome. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I had to highlight that too because it's just so good. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you, about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Right? Do you know that? We all share in God's grace together. Right? Verse 8. God can testify how I longed for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Aw. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Yes. Oh, I skipped the last one. Next. Next. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of our God. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served as an advance to the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that everyone else 
and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Ooh. Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while, I'm, while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. Amen. There are a lot of people preaching with false motives, right? Come on. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Boom. It's fire. Verse 22. If I'm going to live in the body, this will be fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Another, says it again, joy in the faith, right? Verse 26. So that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, whatever you go through, whatever trial we face, conduct yourselves. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amen. A lot of goodies in there, right? A lot of goodies. So we're going to kind of go, not necessarily verse by verse, but almost verse by verse. We're just going to kind of go to each one and just kind of see what's being said here. Sound good? All right. It's called an expository message. Say expository. You got to say it with a little bit of spice. Expository. Expository. <laughs> all right, verse 1. It says, uh, to all God's holy people, right? And he's talking to all this. And so what he's actually telling us is that we are sons and daughters of God. Do you know that? You are a son or daughter of God and also a servant. Say, I'm a son. If you're a man, right? If you're a woman, say, I'm a daughter. Okay, if we got that mixed up, that's okay. Um, but you're also a servant. Say, I'm a servant. Everybody can say that. The greatest among us will be servants. 
So, he, so he's greeting everyone in verse 1, and he says to God's holy people, and this is what he says, and this is what's amazing. Uh, I just absolutely love this. Uh, go to the, the next slide there for us. It says, we are God's holy people, not wretched sinners. We're in Christ. Isn't it amazing that Paul addressed the church as God's holy people? He didn't say, us wretched sinners. Isn't that interesting? I think there's a lot to do with how we view ourselves. If we can, if we can continue to view ourselves under the hand of, of, of oppression, if we continue to view ourselves under the hand of sin and under the hand of darkness and we're constantly bombarded, then you may think in your own mind and maybe coming to church actually feels like a chore where, where you, you know, need to get some guilt off. But God has actually not called us that he called us his holy people. Not because of your works, not because of your goodness, not because of your abilities, but because of the blood of Christ and everything that he has done for us and you receiving that gift. And he calls you holy from that. Not because of your merit. Right? There's no merit badges. It's not like, like being in Boy Scouts where, you know, the better you get, the more little badges you get. No, it, it doesn't work that way. Actually, the, the, the scripture talks about us, us growing and being conformed into the likeness of Christ. So we're all on this journey together, growing in him, becoming like him. And so we are addressed as God's holy people. Say, I'm holy. holy. Okay? Not because of your works. Not because of what you've done, but because of everything that he's done. And because he calls you holy. I mean, how many times have you not felt holy, right? I can tell you how many times I didn't feel holy this week, right? I mean, I mean, it's not holiness isn't a feeling. Holiness is a, an abiding in Christ, right? If, if my child gets on my nerves, which they do quite often, uh, you know, through the week, I don't disown them and discredit them. And then all of a sudden they stop becoming my child, right? As a, as a father who, you know what I mean? And God is so much better than me. As a father who, you know, is going to accept him and, and yes, you, you made, you know, you said something stupid, you did something stupid, okay, apologies, all that, whatever. But it never stopped me from being his father. And in the same context, I think we have this thing, like, when we screw up and when we mess up and when we make, you know, huge mistakes, that all of a sudden God then starts looking at us like, but, but friends, you are still his son, you're still his daughter. And, you know, and of course, obviously, we're not going to take the grace of God for granted. We're not going to take the blood of Christ. We're not going to trample it under feet, as it says in Hebrews 10. But know from which we stand, where, we, where we're standing. And if you're not standing, friends, then start standing. Because a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Means he falls seven times. And probably more than that. Right? I mean, Peter was like, hey, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times seven? He's like, no, 70 times seven. Right? I mean, because we know that we're going to keep falling. People are going to fail us, and we're going to fail God. Get back up. That's why I wanted you to just say, I'm holy because of what Christ has done. You guys good? You guys with me? Ready for verse 2? That's all verse 1. That's great, huh? That's just the way he addressed them. Verse 2, it says, grace and peace from God our Father to Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. So Paul is actually declaring, praying, speaking over the, uh, the Philippians. He's saying, I speak the grace of God over you. 
I speak the love of God over you. I speak the peace of God over you. And grace is unmerited favor. What is that? That's empowerment to do right. It's empowering us to, to continue to fighting the good fight. I mean, how many times have we in our own self, in our own strength, failed God? A lot. Right? A lot. I mean, I mean my list is long. <laughs> but it's God's unmerited favor, his grace that we can continue to get back up. Wipe the dust off. And then walk. And then walk in peace. I mean, how often have we been, I mean, there is just something that has been, I believe, released in our country uh, like, like, like never before. In my 20 plus years of serving the Lord, I mean, uh, anxiety and, and fear. I mean, I, mean, there, I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible how, how the enemy has just swarmed in and stolen the peace of God. From people's lives. And we see, you know, he's called the Prince of Peace. It says the God of Peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. It says the peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And so when, so when he's saying grace and peace to you, just receive that. And not only receive that, believe that. Not only believe that, walk in it. Not only walk in that, release it. Right? He said the peace I give you. That, that we're supposed to give to others. How many times have you been in a nasty situation or you've seen a nasty situation and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, nowadays with Facebook and, and phone, everybody's got cell phones. I mean, I mean, you can watch people go absolutely nuts over a chicken nugget. Right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, this guy is like making... Barely any money, and the person on the outside of the window is starving to death, and they're absolutely throwing a furious rage because they didn't get their chicken nuggets right, or they forgot their shake, or wrong size, or whatever. If you're, I just feel like as, as followers of Christ, if we are seeing a situation like that, immediately, why don't you just start calling out to the Lord, saying, in the name of Jesus, I just, I just pray peace over the situation. Why? Because we can, right? We can. You guys are with me? All right. Peace, grace, and peace. I love that. Thank you, Lord, for that grace and peace. We need that. And then verse 3, he talks about having thankful hearts for all the people that God has placed in his life. Friends, do we have a thankful heart? Are we appreciative of the people that God has placed around us? They're a gift, right? I mean, I, th I just think of, I mean, there's been just so much death here recently with COVID and all kinds of things that, that it's kind of reality check, right? Life is short. Life is, it's, it's a vapor. And I think one of the things that people, if they have any regrets, it's not, not having enough stuff at the end of their life. They're not regretting not having enough money. Most of them may have any regrets. They regret not spending time with their family and appreciating those around them. I remember I did a, uh, a sermon and I did some research on that. And that's what they did. Like the 10 things that people, they wish they had at the end of their life. They, they went into these um, nursing homes where people, you know, they're going, you know, to the end. They, you know, they're right there at the last leg. And they said, what are some things that you regret? Some of those things that they regret was I regret not telling people that I, I don't regret. I regret that I didn't tell people that I love them enough. 
They were like, I, I regret I didn't spend more time with my family. I regret their regrets weren't, I wish I would have went on more trips. I wish I would have went, you know what I mean, had more stuff. All of them had to do with relationship. So just as a reminder, be thankful. Maybe thank God for the people that are around you in your life. Right? Just a reminder. That's all it is. I was just like, I thank God every time I think of you. So just let's be appreciative. Does that sound good? I need to do this. I'm preaching to myself. The word of God is preaching to me. I'm just sharing what he's saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call somebody and tell them I appreciate them after this because I'm getting convicted as I'm preaching this. Just need to let somebody know, like my mom or somebody. Call them and just say, hey, mom, I love you. Appreciate you. Verse 5. And then he goes on to talking about how the people that he's appreciate, appreciating, blah, blah, can't talk, how they have actually are partnering with him in the gospel. And it says that in verse 5, it says, um, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So, so he's, he's, thank, he's appreciative. He's thanking them. He's thankful for them because of their partnership with the gospel. And so what does a partnership in the gospel look like? Well, first off, a partnership in the gospel is usually done, an easy way that it's done is usually in a monetary sense. So, so he's appreciative that they're funding his ministry, right? He's appreciating that they're, you know, they're, probably baking cakes and giving food and all that stuff. I mean, have you ever, have you ever had somebody partner with you because of maybe you had a baby, maybe uh, you had, uh, well, we try to do, we try to do our very best in this church. If we know like somebody's having a really hard time that we come around and support, like with Jill losing uh, her, her father and in this season. And so we got some people that are like writing her cards and stuff because we want to partner with her through her suffering. Right. And so one of the way that we can partner, one of the ways that people were partnering with Paul Paul was, was monetarily, and then also they were, they were not just doing it in a monetary sense. They were also partnering with him by sharing the word of God with him. They were preaching the gospel. So the, the load wasn't just on him by himself. The load was, was distributed. So they're all sharing and ministering the gospel together. You get that? Then it goes on to verse 6, one of my favorites. Verse 6 says, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is a completionist. <laughs> He's a completionist. Think of this. Okay. How many guys in here dabble with projects? Raise your hand. Yeah, you dabble a little bit. Okay, okay. Oh, my bad, my bad. How many women in here dabble with projects? My bad. I'm so sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. How many projects have you started that are still in the process of, of being completed? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay. He said all of them. <laughs> he said all, all of All of them. <laughs> It's funny that it's funny that we're talking about this. My son this morning in the bathroom, we have this little mini, uh, ba so you, in our uh, downstairs bathroom, we have this little mini closet, uh, that, uh, the, the door in the mini closet is brown because when I painted the door, I painted the wrong side of it. So then when I put it on, you open the door and it's painted, but the other side is not painted. So my son this morning, it's funny, that we're talking about, my son this morning got, stepped out of the bathroom and was like, hey, dad, are you ever going to finish painting that, that door in there? <laughs> my 10-year-old. 
He's like, you know, it would look really nice if we painted it white like everything else. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uncompleted project, right? We may look at that and it may frustrate us, right? I mean, sometimes maybe it's, you know, you started that project and then when you look at that, it's kind of frustrating. You're like, oh, will I ever get back to that? Maybe your life's busy. I mean, there's just stuff going on, right? I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't stop a project because you had plenty of time. Usually you stop because maybe, maybe your resources dried up. Maybe, maybe, maybe the skill level wasn't, like the next step was a skill level that you weren't ready for. So you needed maybe a professional. Or maybe you just got busy. So you never finished that. Now, the cool thing is, is that in our life, maybe we feel like we're in a place where God has stopped and paused on us. Maybe. I've, I've, there's been times in my life I felt like that. Where it's like, okay, God, where are you? <laughs> like, are you still at work? Hello? <laughs> What's going on here? Did you see the pause on me? What's going on? Are you shelving me? I mean, there's been times where I've like literally questioned. I'm like, God, are you done? Because if you're done, I'll just pack up and go do something else. Where, where maybe we feel like he, but he says, the good work I started, I will complete. Maybe we're, maybe we're just in a season of just being paused for a minute, right? May, I don't, I don't, right? I mean, come on. Maybe. He's still working in us, but maybe there's some things that, that in this season we need to learn. Think of this, right? What does it say? That, that it only took him a week to actually go from uh, Sinai to the promised land. I mean, like, like that's how, or three or four days. But yet it took him 40 days, 40 years, right? There was a lesson to be learned through that, wasn't there? That's a hard lesson. Hopefully God don't put you on a 40-day lesson. Or 40, excuse me, 40-year-long lesson. We don't need, it takes you, right? I mean, just, are you that stubborn? It'll take you 40 years. I mean, just, I mean, please don't say, you know, say that to your spouse. It's taken me 40 years. No, don't do that. Say, God is a completionist. He is going to complete the work he started. He will finish what he started. When I wrote that, I just, I don't know, I'm a big Star Wars uh, nerd. And I just, and there, that's a line in Star Wars. I will finish what he started, blah, blah. Okay, anyways. Verse 7 and 8, continuing on here. Yeah, I know, I know. Nerd, my, my nerd comes out. My wife would be shaking her head at me right now, probably rolling her. I was like, that, that kid, she married me. She knew what she was getting. <laughs> she said, it's kind of funny because sometimes she says, honey, you tricked me. I didn't know this, that, and the other one. <laughs> I know I put on my best game when I got you, but now I got you. Now it's all, you know, <laughs> I had to put on my best work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was like, I didn't realize I was marrying such a dork. I'm like, you didn't. I had that cool. I was cool back when she thought one. Well, anyways, not cool anymore. I'm not cool anymore. I just, I'm not. I know my kids tell me every day, you're not cool, dad. So. <laughs> not every day, but they look at me. I can see it in their, in their eyes. See it in their eyes. Verse 7. Okay. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you uh, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending or confronting the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So uh, verse uh, 7. It's amazing because Paul has this great and deep love for God's people. He had such a great deep love. And so friends, it's encouraging to us that we also need to have a deep love for the church. We got to have a deep love for the people of God. And if you have a hard time loving people, that's okay. People are hard to love. <laughs> I'm hard to love. We're all hard to love, right? I mean, if it was easy, if love was easy, 
and, and we could love everybody, and, and it was so easy, it would be easy. But it's not. Because love, it actually goes against our own selfish, sinful nature. Because it causes us to serve. It causes us to think of others. It causes us to treat others better than ourselves. And so loving others and serving them only comes by, by the love of God empowering you to love people above your own ability and capability. Because if you only love people with the love that's inside of you, that's only a selfish, it's going to be a selfish love. Because it's usually, there's usually stipulations involved, right? I mean, think of this. I mean, I mean we live in a society that, that is this cold thing where, where you love somebody as long as they're performing goods or services to you. As, as soon as they stop, then you can just go find a new model. Right? And they forget that they stood before them, before God, and said, for better or for worse. Right? Worse is worse. <laughs> right? Sometimes worse is you guys just don't like each other right now. Sometimes worse is maybe your, your partner is going through some sort of disease or sickness, and you've got to stand by them through that. Right? We need to, my prayer, and that's why, and that's why he goes on to say in, in verse 9, I, uh, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That he would actually increase our capacity to love people. That he would actually increase our capacity to love others. So Paul has this great and deep love for the church, for the people of God. We should as well. And also, that's my prayer too. I pray that, that my love, I pray that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Growing stronger and deeper in our relationship with God. Not being shallow. But this is, this is the thing. The devil is cunning. Say cunning. He's deceptive. And the scripture actually says that our hearts can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what will actually combat our heart from loving people and loving God in the full context of, where, of what he's called us to grow in is when we continue to allow habitual sin, it will actually harden our heart. And the scripture will actually say that the love of most will grow cold. So that's what we got to fight. We got to fight against sin, right? Don't just give up. If there's a, an area of your life that's a weak point, there's an area of your life where, man, the enemy, when he, when he assaults that area, you're, you're bombarded, you know, and, and there's just so many different ways that the enemy attacks people. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't quit. Keep fighting the good fight. Say, I'm going to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight, right? Just... Don't just say, this is this, I just can't in this area. You know, maybe get some accountability, maybe keep praying more. You know, just don't quit. Say, look at your neighbor, say, don't quit. Don't quit, don't give up. Our prayer, that our love would grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. To love God more, to, to love God's people more. We need to grow deeper and deeper in Christ. We need to know our Bible. We need, to, we need more knowledge and revelation from God's word, right? That's what that is, a knowledge and depth of insight. I mean, as we're, think of this, you know, we had a, a beautiful worship uh, segment. Thank you, Heather and, and our team who did a phenomenal job. But just think, just for a moment, I just kind of unpacked a picture. And, and I don't know, when I was unpacking that picture, it gave me a, a, another depth for my worship, just for a moment. Because knowledge and depth of, I mean, it just, the more you know, the more you grow. Amen. Come on. 
Yes, she is. And then, okay, verse 10. It says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. <laughs> discernment, hello, yes, Lord, I need it. Give me discernment. Just everybody say that right now. Say, Lord, Lord give me discernment. Because that will actually, if you have discernment, man, that will save your life. It will. It will save your life. It's the beginning of, of discernment. I mean, it's having that, that wisdom, having that, that discerning, that ability to, to know right, right from wrong, good from evil, bad from good. And when we're in the valley of decision, that we can have discernment and know, right, we need discernment. And as it says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. How many of us, we don't know, we can't discern what's best. And then we find ourselves falling into all kinds of stuff. So, Lord, give me discernment. That was, that's, that's the only way I'm going to explain it. Yes. And, friend, our end goal is to be pure and blameless when we stand before him. Like a bride who has prepared herself for her groom. Pure and blameless. Holy and spotless. Verse 11. And then he goes on to say, and it will actually uh, fill us with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, the glory and praise of, of our God. Fruit of righteousness, friends, fruit only comes from abiding and staying in Christ. Righteousness means right standing with God. That only comes by you doing your best to stay in Christ. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it will be done for you. So, so abiding means to stay, it means to tarry, it means to, to um, be in. So we need to abide in Christ. Verse 12, we're going to do 12 to 14. You guys still with me? Some good, Philippians 1 is just so packed full of goodies, isn't it? So good, I love it. I love the book of James, I love the book of Philippians, I love the Bible, but there's just some that are just really good. Verse 12 through 14. Um, oh, he's okay. So now he's going on and he's talking about, uh, that he's actually advancing the gospel, um, through him being in jail. Have you ever found yourself in a situation and you're like, why am I here? And then, and then after a, a short period of time, you're like, oh, I know why I'm here. Okay. This makes sense now. Have you ever had, have you ever been in that in your life, a place in your life where you're like, well, what's going on? Why am I here? Well, that's kind of like, Paul's like, why am I in jail? <laughs> hey. And then he's like, actually, I see now. I'm in jail because it's actually causing the gospel to be spread from me being in here. Yeah. Right? Sometimes we don't see, right? We just kind of like, why am I here? <laughs> and so he's actually seeing that God is moving in every situation. Can we, can we take a step back and, and see God moving even when we're in situations that don't look favorable? God can be in that. God was in my parents' divorce. Ooh, what the heck? Because out of that divorce, my mom got saved, and then I got saved. But in this situation, it looked nasty. We're like, my mom was like, why, why am I here? Right? An 18-year marriage, you know, flushed down the tubes. And instead of running to another man, my mom was like, I need God. She ran to the church. Right? She couldn't see it when she was in it. 
But after taking a step back after going through that, I said, I see God was in that situation. Right? How many situations have we been in where it's like, why? What the heck is happening? We can be in situations. Do you know that Job was not even in sin and he went through such a struggle? It actually says he was upright and blameless. Fear God and shun evil. Can that be said about me? Can that be said about you? I don't know. That was said about Job. That's incredible. What an, what, a, what an incredible, what if somebody, what if that was your name? You're above reproach. Your character's impeccable. You fear God, shun evil, upright and blameless. And yet he went through, right, one of the greatest hells we've ever seen in Scripture. It's all of his family, all of his life, all of it in a single day. And it said he did not, he did not do wrong by cursing God. He actually praised God. He said, naked did I come, naked will I go. You took it all, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Paul is seeing that God is actually working through the situation of him being in jail. It's like, why am I in jail? Oh, I see now. God is actually using this to advance the gospel. So friends, can we see that in every situation we are in, God is in it. Because he's with us through it. Right? Can we see God in our struggle? Not when we're struggling. Nope. <laughs> But perhaps we can see it after. Maybe there's some wisdom we've learned. Maybe there's some, some stuff we are able to become better from, right? And then Paul says that it actually, what it did, what it, it actually caused great boldness. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I can guarantee you, if there's an area in your life you have victory, you're not afraid of that area, probably. If there's an area in your life that you now have victory in, you're not afraid. Because you conquered that fear. Right? I mean, I used to be afraid to talk in front of people. Right? I mean, that's a 20-some-year work. It's a throw-up before talking in front of people. That's, an, that's an crazy to think, right? That's insane. He's such an extrovert. No, he's not. He's an introvert. He puts on a good show. <laughs> he likes to hide <laughs> but God did this work where now in that I can preach the gospel without fear right and so there's areas in our life where once we've faced it and challenged it and we got victory in that area you'll find you won't have fear in that area that's amazing isn't it so good that's growing coming stronger verse 15 through 18 and then he goes on to this, and he starts talking about people who are preaching Christ with wrong motives. He says some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. <laughs> preaching the gospel with selfish ambition. Verse 17, for the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Do you know that there are people out here preaching the gospel for selfish ambition? I remember when one of my favorite TV preachers, uh, when I first got saved, I was watching them. I was flipping through the channel one time. And, um, oh, man, it broke my heart. Because uh, I think it was like maybe 20, I don't know, 2015, 2016, when I, I don't know, I was flipping through TBN or something. And they were like, sow your seed of 2015 in the year 2015. I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, you were legit back in the day. Why did you have to go here? Some preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Right? In, in the scriptures, Paul says, some use the gospel as a, main, as a way 
to obtain money. Financial, financial means or financial gain. It says that in the scriptures. So there's people that they are out, right? <laughs> right, come visit me in South Toledo. Let's go. Let's go. So there are people that are going to preach the gospel with selfish ambition, with wrong motives, with um, <laughs> envy and rivalry. And this is what's amazing to me. Paul didn't say, shut them up. Go on Facebook and blast them and say how they're just destroying the gospel. God's anger and wrath smite them. Nope. <laughs> you know what Paul says? This was incredible. He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. That rebukes me. I don't know if that rebukes you. <laughs> right? I mean, Pastor Joy last week talked about the get him God prayers, right? And usually the get him God prayers was get her God. <laughs> God was usually getting her on the get him God prayers. I mean, I've, I mean, I've. I'm like, Lord, if they're just, if they're, I've, I've prayed those prayers. Lord, if they're, you know, if they're using and, and distorting the gospel, shut them up, God. Get them off TV, you know, whatever. And, and Paul is saying, they're going to, we're going to have people with false motives and people with false intentions. And I rejoice that they're still, that the gospel is being preached regardless. Because we have enough, right, there's, there's enough darkness and enough sin and, and enough discouragement and, and the devil's work. There's enough that, that even in those things, God, somebody hearing the name of Christ, even if they have false motives, can still give their heart to Christ. <laughs> right? If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through somebody with wrong motives. <laughs> right? Now, the sad thing is, is those are the ones that stand before me. Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied? And he's going to say, I never knew you. So, ooh, scary. But people can still be saved from their ministry. I remember this. I remember this. Okay, we, we have somebody in our city who is, you know, has been on uh, news and different things for different scandal stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to get into all that. And I remember thinking, man, I just had a, such a hard time with this person. I'm like, how oh, they have such a large, they have like 5,000 people going to their church in there. And they're doing all this craziness. And I remember the Lord, I remember the Lord dealing with me saying that there are, I'm like, why isn't he, why, God, why haven't you shut the church down? Why haven't you closed it? And he's like, there are genuine, there are genuine people who really love God and really serving me under that ministry. Like, dang, okay. <laughs> right? And he said, it's my bride. I'm like, okay, it's your bride. I'm your bride. I ain't touching it. So now I just mind my own business. <laughs> right? Look at your neighbor say, mind your business. Right? Because we need to. We need to. We do. Right? It says to watch my life and my doctrine closely, not your brothers. Right? Not my neighbors. Watch my life because I need to stay. I need to keep myself on the path. So I'm going to do my best to do that. I'm going to watch myself, watch my wife from time to time, try to help her out a little bit. <laughs> Even though she ain't going to receive it. <laughs> I say all the funny stuff when she's not around. It's so great. She's preaching in South Toledo. So now I get to do all this fun stuff when she's not here. And then, then you guys are going to tell on me next week. I know it. It's all good, though. I'm a man. I'll face it as I'm running with my tail between my legs. <laughs> okay, verse, um, where are we at here? Lost my place. Um, <laughs> verse, we have about uh, verse 20, right? Um, oh, yep, yep. Uh, verse uh, 15 through 18, Paul's saying that people's motives, they were, they're not right, yet it's, uh, you know, 
His hope is in the power of the gospel still transforming lives through the word of God. Because God's word is eternal, it's powerful, and, it, and it, as long as people are sharing it and spreading it, it's still transforming lives. Even if people's motives and heart are wrong. Okay? Uh, verse uh, 20, and it says, he, we can have hope in every situation. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have confident courage that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my uh, body, whether by life or by death. He's like, you know what? I just have courage no matter what happens that God's going to take care of me. Right? Sometimes we're put in those situations. We're just like, I, can, I can't do anything. I'm just going to trust in God. That's all I can do. <laughs> I just got to trust in him. I just give him this marriage. I just give him these kids. I just give him my finances. I just, I can't do anymore. I've done my best and, and uh, <laughs> I can't do no more. Pray as, it, as if it depends on God and work as if it depends on you, right? And so then you just pray, just say, Lord. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations and after exhaust, exhausting my energy, effort, resources, I get on my face and I'm saying, God, I can't do anything else. He's like, well, that's what I've been waiting for you the whole time. Now I can, let me show you something. And he usually provides every time. Always. I mean, he's never too late. Jehovah in the nick of time, right? He's always on time. I've seen that over and over and over in my life. Why don't I just get it by now? Just let me go. Let me just pray first. Just, just stop, Judge. Just pray first. And God's going to take care of you. And then he goes on and he goes on with this incredible, powerful statement, verse 21, which is just mind blowing. He says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What? I mean, he just comes to this point where he's like, I don't care whether I live or die. And not in, a, not in a sense like he's like, like, like a thug on the street, you know, preaching a rap song. No, he's saying, he's like, if I die, I'm going to be with Christ. But if I continue to live, the Lord's going to continue to use me to preach the gospel and see lives changed. What a resolve. What a resolve, especially in that time, in that time they're persecuting and killing Christians. What a resolve. I mean, think of this. You have people all across the world in, in China and uh, what, they, what they call, um, uh, what do they call that? The four, not the 420. What do they call that? The 1040. That's what it is. Thank you. I knew it was something crazy. Yeah. The 1040 window. It's like, it's like the area that is the most persecution that happens. So if you're a Christian in these countries, you, you are going to either be persecuted. You, you can be killed. Uh, I mean, there, there's just like, in America, we have you know, freedom of religion and all this other stuff. We can worship freely. We don't have, you know, people charging in and arresting us and cutting off people's heads in front of them, trying to tell us to renounce our faith and all this other stuff. Well, in the 1040 window, you have people that are risking their lives for the gospel, right? And so in this time, Paul, I mean, he was risking his life. He got arrested. He says, for me to live as Christ or die as gain. Wow. Right? For me, I'd be like, I still want to live. Like, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to become a dad, grandpa. I, you know what I mean? Like, like, that's, right? But he's like, if I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. And he says, if I go on living, and he goes this whole explanation that how, how he can be with Jesus. Have you ever seen the person that maybe they're older, they've come like right to the end of their life, and they're like, Lord, I'm just, I'm just waiting. They're just ready. Have you ever known anybody like that? Yeah. You know, they've, they've passionately loved the Lord for a long time, and they're just like, okay, God, you can take me whenever. And they've been praying that for like the last five, ten years. <laughs> they're like, I'm ready. <laughs> right? I'm ready. Right? I mean, I, I probably, you know, your body start, you know, it ain't working the way it's supposed to. And you're just like, okay, God, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm done. Take me. To die is gain. Give me my glorified body, Lord. I'm ready. 
Beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> oh, you got a new Star Trek uh, series. Is that any good? Anybody watch that yet? Is it, is it eh? I'm, eh? It's all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so meh means it's not so good. Meh. <laughs> okay. Let's. Okay. Away from Star Trek. Back to the scriptures. Um, beast mode. <laughs> To live is Christ, to die is gain. And then Paul has this debate. Uh, verse 20, um, let's uh, go to verse 27. Oh, he goes in, oh, in verse 25, he just talks again about the joy and the faith. And then he, then he says this in verse 27. He says, whatever happens, no, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you go through, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So this is a question that I ask my, myself. Is my life worthy of the gospel? Whew. Is my life worthy of the gospel? Is the life that I'm living worth Christ dying for? Did I put that up there? Yeah, I did. Nice. I forget sometimes. Is the life that I'm living, is it worth Christ dying for? And then it goes on to say, the truest form of deception is confess, confession, confessing one thing with your mouth and then living another with your life. That's the truest form of deception. Because you're not deceiving others, you're only deceiving yourself. Most people who are trying to deceive others, people see through it. They're just not telling you. Right? Most people have discernment. Right? If you're the Spirit of God living inside of you, not to freak you out, but I've had numerous times where I'm talking to somebody, and as they're talking, in the back of my mind, the Holy Spirit's saying, they're lying. They're lying. They're lying. Do I say, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you, liar. No, I don't say any of that. <laughs> say, oh, cool. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I have discernment, right? The, the, the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Okay? And so... You know, if we're, if we're saying one thing with our mouth, but we're living totally different, the only person we're deceiving is ourselves. We're not deceiving others. You're deceiving yourself because you're robbing yourself from, from being, you know, the blessings of God. You're robbing yourself from a full life of what the gospel can give you. And you're, and you're robbing yourself of, of so much potential of what you really can be doing for the Lord. But the devil's so cunning. He's just so cunning. Such a deceiver. A liar, he's a manipulator, he's a traitor, and he will do everything he can. And you know, I'm, I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this, and you got to be okay with it. There are times, there are times, our confession doesn't necessarily match our action. There are times, and that's okay. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you flawed, <laughs> right? It makes you a mess maker. We make mistakes. Right? If, if, if Josh lived an inerrant life, he would be Christ, but he's not. <laughs> right? He's flawed. <laughs> There's times what he says doesn't match our actions. I'll give you a very easy one. Us men, we do this the best. My wife would be like, hey, hon, can you take out the garbage? Okay, I got you. An hour later, still not out. Hour later, still not out. Hour later, still not out. <laughs> 
Frank says, I don't say yes. <laughs> Eventually I get to it. But did my actions match my, my, what I said out of my mouth? No. And that's just a silly, you know, that's a silly one, right? But it's true, right? I mean, how many times have we said something and we didn't follow up with it, right? So, so it happens to us all, right? Sometimes you have to confess things you don't feel. Right? I mean, how many times, how many times have you woke up and just not feel like going to work? Probably every Monday. How many times have you woke up and you didn't feel like reading your Bible? How many times do you wake up and just not feel like, like living for, like you just want to go off on somebody. Like you're ready. Like you're, you're like just, I'm just, you're waiting for that person to cut you. Like you're just, you woke up, you know? I mean, those are the days my wife says, ugh. Like she just, honey, like what, what's wrong with you? I'm like, ugh, I don't know. I'm just, you're just ugh today. <laughs> right? Come on. It happens. So let's move on. Oh, we're, we're coming, coming to the close here. Almost done. Uh, verse 27. Yep. Whatever happens, conduct yourself as a matter worthy of the gospel. Yep. Are we living a life that is worth Christ dying for? You know, that's just living a surrendered life. It's not a perfect life. It's a progressing life. You're progressing, being conformed to the image of God, right? And then verse 20, 28. Um, he just goes on to talk about um, the opposition that comes against us and that we don't have to be afraid. Christianity is opposed now than it has in America in a long time. Probably ever in America. I'm not going to say Christianity has been most of because the most opposition Christianity has had when they were killing people, slaughtering them and setting them on fire like human candles and all kinds of stuff. But in America, our faith is it's had the most confrontation. The term Christian is almost seen as evil now. You are viewed as a hater. You're viewed as someone who's intolerant. You're viewed as somebody who's hateful and spiteful. It's opposition. The, the Bible says in the last days that people will call good evil and evil good. We're there now. Come on, high five. We're there now. Right. And so we're going to face opposition, but don't, have afraid, don't be afraid. The scripture tells us that they oppose Jesus. They're going to oppose you. They hated him. They're going to hate you. So don't be afraid. You don't have to beat anybody up for Jesus, but don't be afraid. And don't shrink back. Don't shrink back in your faith. Say, in the name of Jesus, I will not shrink back. Don't shrink back on the gospel. Don't shrink back on your faith, right? Don't be afraid, right? There's going to be times your, your faith's going to be opposed. Stand firm. You don't have to have all the right answers. You don't have to know right what to say. Just stand in your belief. Stand in your faith. Stand with Jesus. And then verse 29, he just goes on and he talks about how he's, only, he's not the only one who's suffering. But there are people that are all around, uh, that, are being, that are suffering all through uh, uh, Philippi and the surrounding uh, regions. They were also suffering for the gospel. Friends, we're going you know, to be ridiculed. You're gonna, there's going to be disdain. You're going to be looked down upon. We're just talking about this. And it's just part of it. It's part of this walk that we're called to live. And so I just want to encourage uh, you today that we don't have to face it with fear. We don't have to face opposition with fear. And the Lord wants to meet our needs today. Do you know that? Heather, could you come up and play for us for a moment? Thank you. What do you need from the Lord today? What do you need from him? Maybe you need courage. 
Maybe you need grace. Maybe you need peace. Let's just take a moment. Let's just seek the Lord. That he'll give us the things we need that we can continue to walk this walk in victory. Amen. We're going to take a few moments. Just right where you're sitting. Just turn that place where you're at. Just turn it into a little altar where you're just, just you and God. Don't think about the person sitting next to you. Don't think about the person in front of you or behind you. And just, just for a moment, just focus, focus in on the Lord. Just let me meet with you right here. You made, you made the, the extra step to come to church this morning. And I believe the Lord wants to take that step towards you, just like you've taken that step towards him. Let him meet with you today. Let him meet in that area of frustration. <laughs> Let him meet in that area of anxiety. Let him meet you in that area of fear. Let him meet you in that area, whatever it is. Jesus. As we talked earlier and we just set this picture of people laying down their cloaks and laying down their branches. Whatever burden is on your shoulders today, would you just lay that down before the Lord today? Just lay it before him. If it's loneliness, lay that before the Lord. If it's depression, lay that before the Lord. If you're tired, man, I, I just, you know, there's some people in here that are just tired. They're just like, man, I just, I'm tired. Just lay that before the Lord. Some people in here, they need just encouragement. They need faith. The scripture talks about times of refreshing will come upon you in Acts because we're going to run dry. Our, our, our wells, our life's going to run dry. We're just going to pour ourselves out and feel like empty vessels. Maybe you need replenish and refresh today. Just allow the Lord to just fill your cup today. Um, you're a vessel for the Lord. Allow him to rekindle the fire. Allow him to reignite passion and zeal for the Lord. A passion for his name. A passion for his word. A passion for prayer. A passion to share your testimony and share the love of Jesus. And let him just ignite a fire in your heart once again. That's an old song that we used to sing. Jesus, would you, God, would you even now do, do this, God? I just know <laughs> that many of us are, are fighting on, on multiple fronts in our life. And you wrote letters for us to receive encouragement thousands of years ago. Thank you, God. We thank you for the encouragement that we can draw from the book of Philippians, God. And we thank you that, God, that you desire for us to walk uprightly. So thank you for giving us all the tools we need. Thank you that your spirit gives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We need all of these in our life, God. Thank you, Father. And just lay it down. Just, just, just lay it down. Sometimes I think we lay things down and we leave and pick them back up. Just lay it down today. Lay it down. Lay it down. Walk out of here, leave it here. Leave it where you're sitting. Just late and say, it's staying here. And let the king 
be ushered into your life. Hosanna in the highest. Father, we thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you this is a beautiful time of celebration. We thank you for this beautiful weather. And God, we are just excited for what you're doing in and through Vision Church. We're thankful for everything you're doing in South Toledo and Waterville and all the surrounding areas. Lord, we thank you for Easter. We get to celebrate freely. Uh, God, your resurrection next week, and we are just so excited for that. God, we just thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you, and may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining with us. Let somebody know that it was great to see them today. Have a wonderful Sunday. Take care.